on the Torah reading, pulling out inspiration and wisdom for our everyday lives. This week's Torah portion is Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 to eleven thirty-two, and it's entitled Noach or Noah. I want to focus in on two very important skills we need to have to survive in these evil days. We need to have the skill to be able to hear from Yah and to prepare to do what He asks us to do. When we read this Torah portion, we see a very curious verse. Many of us just read this verse as if Noah was perfect as a person. But this verse does not say he's perfect as a person. It actually says something else. When we read Genesis 6 verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with Yah. It did not say that Noah was perfect. It said that Noah was perfect in his generations, meaning his ancestry, or even Noah was perfect in his genes. He did not have corrupted genes because if we go to the previous Torah portion, we see that the sons of deities laid with the daughters of men and produced these Nephilim, these great men of renown, these giants who had corrupted genes or corrupted generations. And many times we are taught that, oh, your ancestry doesn't matter, color doesn't matter, race doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter in how we respect and treat people, but ancestry does matter when it comes to who is Yah's set-apart people. But it doesn't mean we don't welcome the stranger who wants to sojourn with us. It doesn't mean we have a superiority, but it does mean that who Yah's chosen people are still matter today for biblical prophecy, for hearing from Yah, because the oracles of Yah were entrusted to the Hebrews, and even for preparing. When we look at this week's Torah portion, we see that Noah has his own relationship with Yah in spite of the wickedness that surrounded him. The world was going into chaos. It was to the point where Yah regretted that he even created humanity. 
But yet Noah could still hear from Yah, could still be chosen by Yah to build this ark, and could still be saved by Yah with his family. See, many times we cannot hear Yah's voice because we are being distracted by the societal chaos. Society may say being promiscuous, using your sexuality to get ahead is the way, but now we see with all the tales of sexual harassment on the job in Hollywood and politics with Supreme Court justices, we see that actually all this over-sexualization and just boiling women down to their sexuality was not the way to go. But sadly, many women listened to society and they went that way. And instead of listening to Yah and going the way of virtue, Many times when you hear from Yah, you may actually have to stand alone. You may actually be in the minority and not the majority. But due to Noah's ability to have a personal relationship with Yah and to personally hear Yah and not be distracted by the wickedness around him, Noah received directions to prepare the ark. And again, due to this, he was saved and his family was saved. And many times we think of the story of Noah's Ark as a children's story because of the animals and the ark. But there are actually places on earth where they think um, those places are where the ark fell. Most cultures in the world, whether Hebrew or not, have a tale of a flooding happening and destroying many, um, many people. It's not only among the Hebrews that this story of a great flood exists, it's throughout the world among almost every race of people. So this proves that Noah's, this whole Noah story is deeper than what we've been taught. Even the fact that we just think Yah got upset about petty sins like lying and things like that and no, you shouldn't lie. But Yah did not regret that he created humanity just because of sins that were being created but when the Nephilim came on the scene they brought witchcraft they brought um, teaching women how to kill the children in their womb they brought roots the cutting of roots I'm you know my family um, is from the south I thought roots was something African Americans kind of developed in America remixing African traditional religion with what they had in America but the cutting of roots is actually talked about in the book of Enoch, and a fallen angel taught this to humanity. Also, a fallen angel taught making war to humanity. So Yah had good reason to be upset. And But even in Yah's upset, he searched the earth for someone who would hear from him, someone who has a relationship with him. And through Noah, humanity was able to be saved, giving a foreshadowing of Yahshua. So what if Yah gives you a word that no one else hears? Would you be able to stand? Would you be able to build something that no one else thinks needs to be built? At this time, humanity never experienced rain. So they were laughing at Noah when he was preaching about this and building the ark. But when the rain fell and his family and the animals went in, the laughter probably stopped. See, many times people won't understand your moves because they don't have a Yah-ordained insight into what is coming. And many people 
They function more on the vibration of faith than fear. So even when Yah is trying to give them a message, that message has to be filtered through news, through conspiracy theories, through family, through experts. And many people actually leave their destiny on the floor, running here and there, listening to everyone. Some people, Yah will give a word, they will get excited about it, but as the parable of the sower in the and the book of Matthew says, once the cares of this life appear on the scene, the seed can't even bloom to a harvest. The seed dies. Your destiny is the seed Yah gave you. Your vision is the seed Yah gave you. That word from Yah is the seed Yah gave you. But if you let the cares of this world choke your seed, it will not break through the soil and bloom into something beautiful. So again, can you discern Yah's will for your life, yourself, without a moray, without a YouTube video, without an Instagram account, without a book, without your favorite teacher? Can you discern Yah's will for yourself, even without your mother and your father? You are entrusted to your mother and your father, and they may have insights into your destiny because they raised you. But even your mother and your father cannot make you answer Yah's call for your life. And sometimes even parents have agendas for us that are not in line with Yah's agendas for our lives. For some of us, Yah may actually have had to separate us from our parents and we think that it's a bad thing, but that separation actually gave us the freedom to pursue Yah's agenda for our lives. Because Parents, unfortunately, can really choke Yah's will for their children's lives if they themselves are not submitted to Yah. How many parents tell their children they have to study a certain major in college because that major makes money, and XYZ major, it's assumed, does not make money? I have friends whose parents made them do engineering for money, and yes, engineers can make a good salary, but because that child was not ordained and called to that, they never flourished in engineering, and they actually ended up making less money than friends who even went into nonprofit work. There are actually some people working for NGOs and nonprofits that are very prosperous because that is their lane. You're only going to be prosperous in your lane. You're only going to be prosperous in Yah's ordained will for your life. It's not about a job title. It's not about the average salary in the field. But it's about Yah's will for your life. There are some who can move to a third world country and be prosperous. And there are some who can live in some of the richest zip codes in the world and be poor. Because they're not in Yah's will for their life. When we get to Genesis 8. And we skip ahead in the story. You know, we have the flooding. We have the ark. Um, now Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they're on the ark. They're bringing their wives. The animals are in two by two. And then finally, we get to the end of this journey. And the rain stops. The heaven was restrained. And the waters return from off the earth continually, we see in chapter 8, verse 3. We also see 
that at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark. And we see Moses will be in the, um, will be kind of in an exile for 40 years. The Hebrews will wander for 40 years. Yahshua will be in the wilderness fasting for 40 days. This 40 day mark is very key for y'all to fulfill some things. So we read Genesis chapter 8 and we start at verse 7 and we see that Noah sent forth a raven which went fro and forth and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Then after the raven he sent forth a dove to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days, and then again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And of course we know the seven day mark also represents completion. And the dove came to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And this dove is key because when we go to um, the renewed covenant or the Shah, we see this dove representing the Ruach. And in this situation, the dove plays the role of the Ruach, which is to provide wisdom and insight and direction, because as this dove goes forth and comes back or doesn't come back, it's sending wisdom that now it's safe to exit the ark and move forward. One reason why Noah and his family were spared because of focus and diligence. No matter how many years it didn't rain, no matter how many people picked on Noah, no matter even if his own family didn't know why he was building an ark, Noah practiced diligence and focus. He did not look to the chaos on the left. He did not look to those laughing at him on the right. But Noah focused on diligently building that ark and diligently following the word Yah gave him. Sometimes you need to block out the world and focus on the mission and the word Yah gave you. No one is, has enough knowledge to give you your destiny directions. People can give you insights. People can give you words of encouragement. People may even be able to prophetically see what lies in you. But if you do not have a direct revelation from Yah, you will be tossed to and fro, just like the waves when the flood came down. Noah prepared even when others laughed at him because he had a rhema living word from Yah. Many times people have asked us to prepare, to prepare for the future, to prepare for when certain societies collapse. And many of us, we just don't heed the call. I was one of those people. I had a friend um, a good brother named Kepra who always talked about the need for people of African descent to know emergency preparedness. And I just felt like, well, that's not something I really know about or can do. And then Hurricane Sandy hit New York City and everything was closed except for, a few, uh, except for certain neighborhoods. And then I got a job 
organizing on the Sandy recovery and had to go to Far Rockaway and see people who for a year did not have homes, had to see people who for two years could not cook food for their families because their home was in shambles, and even had to sit in meetings with New York City government officials and hear that until the community advocated for it, they had no real emergency plan. Now, there is a plan in place, there is um, staff in place, there are, there's great work that has been done on the Sandy recovery, great work. But I'm talking about 2012 and 2013. And I realized sitting in some of those government meetings in City Hall, only love, you better have a plan for yourself. Don't depend on anyone to have a plan for you. And I remember the words and the wisdom of my friend Kepra about how particularly people of African descent needed emergency preparedness. Kepra had directions from the creator on what he needed to do for his people and it doesn't matter that many of us didn't get it until these different hurricanes hit. Many times we put preparedness on the bottom of the barrel, but my elder um, Jonathan Mickens of Bethel House of Yah teaches us about preparedness sometimes and Sabbath because actually there is a sacredness to preparing. Yes, Yah will take care of us, but why won't we use the power and the Ruach of Yah to prepare so we can help take care of someone else if an emergency happens? And preparedness can go into preparing for your education, preparing for your career, preparing for marriage, preparing to be healthy, preparing um, to save money. Some of us, we only care about eating right or exercising when we don't look a certain way. But if we have a preparedness orientation, it wouldn't be about how we look. It would be about preparing to age gracefully and have enough energy to do what Yah wants us to do. So there's many different types of preparedness. But again, have you heard directly from Yah about what you need to do in this season? When we get to Genesis chapter 9, verse 7, we see a directive again that was in our first portion. Genesis chapter 9 verse 7 says, and you will be fruitful and multiply and bring forth abundantly in the earth and you will multiply therein. When we go back to the first Torah portion, we see that Adam and Eve are told to be fruitful and multiply. Again, Yah is giving directions, clear directions, even around multiplication. But do we have the ears to hear? When we get to Genesis 9, verses 8 to 16, we see another covenant being established. So Yah is a Yah of covenant. But the first covenant did not come, you know, between Abraham and Yah when Abraham crossed over. It did not just come be, um, between Jacob and Yah after they wrestled. It didn't just come on Mount Sinai, but there's a Noahide covenant. And this covenant states, And Yah spoke unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, of the beasts of the earth, with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. 
and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there be more um, neither shall there be any more flood to destroy the earth. And Yah said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, meaning forever. And I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Now the bow is a rainbow, a bow, rainbow. We see beautiful rainbows still. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the, the bow or the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between Yah and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. So this is the Noahide covenant, and the sign of this covenant is the rainbow. When we got our covenant on Mount Sinai, the two tablets with the Ten Commandments were the sign. Some covenants are sealed with blood, of the sacrifice of an animal, the drinking of a wine, but we have a beautiful symbol for this, a rainbow. And this is a symbol and a covenant for all humanity. And this is something very beautiful. So when you see that rainbow, remember, this is a, that rainbow is a sign of a covenant between Yah and humanity. When we go down to Genesis 9, verse 24, we see a very curious story that evil men and women have used to oppress all the dark peoples of the world, some who are Ham and some who are not even Ham. Let's read. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Elohim of Shem, and Canaan should be his servant. Yah shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. Listen to that. There will be a time when Japheth will actually be living in the home of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So I want to break something down. Many talk about the curse of Ham and say all black people, or even all people with dark skin are cursed. But in the word, only Canaan was cursed. And some say this servanthood was even fulfilled when Canaan may have served some Levites in Hebrew history. I don't know about that, but I know Canaan is only one of the sons of Ham. And Ham had the most sons. The sons of Ham are Cush and Mizraim and Put and Canaan. And then even among Cush, you have the, the sons of Cush are Seba, Havilah, Saptah, Ramah, Septahah, and the sons of Ramah are Sheba and Dedan. And Cush beget Nimrod. Now those are a whole bunch of sons and patriarchs being named. But only one had the name of Canaan. So how was all of Ham cursed for servitude? Number one, how did Noah have children of three different complexions? At this time, all of his sons would have been so-called dark or brown or black. 
Then they migrated to different places, and some may have become lighter, but Ham and Shem have always remained dark or black or brown. So again, how are all dark, black, or brown people in the world cursed to servitude? When one son, representing one bloodline, was cursed. The curse of Ham did not always exist as a myth or a fable. It was actually created by rabbis around the transatlantic slave trade. Because if you're going to enslave people in a way that was never done in human history, slavery existed, but never with this cruelty. you got to have a, um, a quote-unquote fake word from Yah to ordain this type of brutality. Many people, when they want to do wrong, they say, well, God told me, Yah told me, and that is all the curse of Ham is, a fake, you know, prophecy attributed to Yah. Only Canaan was cursed. There are Canaanites who are still living in Israel today, who are still black. They are one group of people, and they don't even look like the Africans and the African diaspora folks that the curse of Ham have been put on. They look black, but they don't even look like sub-Saharan Africans, because that's really who the curse has been put on the most. Maybe dark people in other places, but it's really been put on us the most. And when you study the migrations of Ham, Shem, and Japheth, you're going to see that a lot of Ham is even in Asia, proving again that this curse was wrong. It was just a, a way to politically manipulate the word for evil purposes. But those same people who will tell you about the curse of Ham, never read to Genesis chapter 10, verse 3, where it talks about the sons of Japheth, which are Gomer and Magog and Madi and Javan and Tubal and Meshach and Tisroth in Genesis 10.2. And then when you scroll down to Genesis 10.3, we read about the sons of Gomer, who are Ashkenaz, Ratab, and Togarmah. Ashkenaz is also a name for a subset of Jewish people, Ashkenazi Jews. Now, how come the people who can talk about the curse of Ham can never tell you that one of the sons of Japheth, not, not Shem, have the name of a group of white Jewish people, Ashkenazi Jews. Family, this is why you have to read the word for yourself. This is why you have to have a word from Yah for yourself. Because many people play with Yah's word. They manipulate Yah's word. When we get to Genesis 11, we see another example of people following the crowd instead of following Yah. We read about the Tower of Babel account, where all of humanity came together to build this tower, some say under Nimrod, to, and the point of this tower was to try to build their own stairway to heaven. And they tried to do this to almost overthrow Yah, to try to reach Yah, to try to be on his level like an infant standing on um, some chairs to try to get on their mother's level, to tell their mother what they're going to do. And it's funny, the crowd couldn't follow Noah when he had a word to prepare from Yah, but the crowd could unite and follow Nimrod to build this tower this Tower of Babel, because, see, a lot of the Nephilim were washed away in the flood, but they reappeared. 
because people were doing hijinks like building this tower to get those sons of these false gods, these um, sons of these demons or disembodied spirits to come again among humanity to start the chaos all over again. You know, um, I was reading um, First Fruits of Zion and a reflection they did on this Torah portion about what it really means to be left behind. See, in a way, Noah and his family were left behind because they were left alive when other humans died because they didn't listen to Yah. And many times we're told when we read the book of Matthew when Yahshua says, you know, two women will be in the field, one will leave and then one will stay. Two men will be walking up the hill, one will disappear, one will stay. We take that as those who are disappearing are being raptured off into heaven. But when you study the rapture, that's actually not from the Bible. What if those that Yahshua said would be left behind were those who were preserved because they heard a word from Yah and listened to him? Yahshua told the people, when you see X, Y, Z happen, run to the hills. And some Hebrews did that, and some ran all the way to Africa, and they were left behind. But those who didn't listen, they perished, they were killed, and they are the ones who got taken away or who disappeared. At the end of the day, like Noah, we need to be able to recognize Yah's voice. And the best way to do this so we are not left behind and so we are preserved is to read Yah's word Study it and hide it in your heart because even like with the false curse of Ham or the fact that no one ever mentions that the title Ashkenazis, um, no one can ever break down to you the fact that the term Ashkenazi comes from Ashkenaz, which is the son of Japheth, not Shem, because many are just going by what they think the word says, not what it actually says. So in order to hear from Yah, you have to study the word, hide it in your heart, but also repent of sin and deal with it quickly because sin and iniquity corrupt how we hear from Yah and even how we interpret scripture. People who are racist will constantly read this passage from Genesis and will always see Ham, all of Ham, as cursed when it was only Canaan. People whose hearts are corrupted by racism will always make up a false myth that doesn't make sense that Noah had children of three different races. So they can say all dark-skinned people are cursed. We have to deal with sin because when you don't deal with sin, you don't hear from Yah correctly. Also, be able to tell the difference between Yah's voice, your voice, and the voice of others. Yahshua said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. A voice of another they will not follow. But if you do not know what Yahshua's voice sounds like, what Yah's voice sounds like, you will get um, a word that's really your own desire and follow it. Or you will just follow the words of others because you think they're, you know, prominent and wise. It doesn't matter how wise someone is. You have to hear from Yah yourself. Again, another way, way that we have to hear from Yah so we can prepare is to have the courage and the conviction to follow what Yah tells you in the little things. And he will trust you with the, the great things. Some people want Yah to trust them with 
information about when the greater exodus is going to start, but they won't even follow the prompting that Yah is giving them to witness to a person at their job. But you want Yah to tell you when the Messiah is coming back. Make it make sense, family. Yah will trust you with his word and with deep secrets and insights if you follow him with the little things and even the things that don't make sense. You can't expect the deep things of Yah if you don't listen to the small nudges. Also, be firm. Don't look to the left or to the right, but look up to Yah. In these evil days and days of fast-fulfilling prophecy, it's important that you can hear Yah's voice, follow it, and not waver to follow the crowd. Those who followed the crowd to build that evil tower of Babel really got a punishment for it. And they put themselves into opposition with the creator of the universe. Can you believe putting yourself in opposition with the creator of the universe? Does that even make sense to do? So it's extremely important that in these days we can hear from Yah and we can, we can prepare based on what we hear. I don't believe Noah was pe preparing because he was driven by fear. I believe he was preparing because he was driven by faith and a word from Yah. If you are constantly driven by fear and conspiracy theories, even if people of faith are putting out this information, and though much of it may be true, you still will be misled because fear should not be your main driver. Anxiety should not be your main driver, but Yah's word should. And who knows, some of us may actually be called into danger. Yah's will is not only found in safety. Yah's will sometimes will be found in dangerous situations. But he is faithful and just to keep you in whatever situation he calls you to. Yes, there is evil in the world. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So I, my prayer for you as you study this Torah portion is that you can be like Noah, hearing from Yah and preparing. Yah, we just come to you in the name of Yahshua HaMashiach. Asking you, Yah, that you help us to understand your word. Yah, we come against the false curse of Ham that has been responsible for so many so-called black or dark people dying, being enslaved, being abused. And Yah, I ask that you lift the scales from our eyes and show us how blessed we are. Yah, help us to hear your word and help us to prepare in these evil days. Help us not to look to the left or to the right, but up to you, remembering that covenant you made with Noah, the covenant you made with Jacob, the covenant you made with Moses, the covenant you renewed through Yahshua. Yah, we, we just ask in the name of Yahshua that you are there for us, that you are guiding us into your truth and give us supernatural discernment and wisdom. And we ask all these things in Yahshua's name, so be it. To learn more and to offer a donation of support, visit rebirthofanation.info. To learn more about Prophetic Worldwind, Uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny, visit www.propheticworldwind.com.
And remember, if it's not practical, it probably ain't Torah. Shalom.